0: Yeah. had to take a nap cuz i'm tired of the cap my body programs be wired to the trash yeah. get the pad flippin' desire in the racks so he lost and it, with it the beat play shit trash fire in the rap johnny stay lit like a fire at the camp life got dark for a minute no welcome gimmick. in everybody to another episode yeah. of in with the, in the film of the podcast hey, no man i i got i got to give it up to my guys they predicted a perfect 40 week i was i was the person who took the safe route and predicted 3 and 1 and and here we are. The Kings took care of business against three teams over the course of four games that they needed to take care of business against. We're going to dive into all that in a second here, but I got to check in with my dudes. Fish, how goes it?
1: Hi. Um, Hi. You know, just living living the dream of a guy who's always right about the Kings, Kings picks. In my, I've never been wrong about a Kings prediction. I've always been right
0: yeah yeah I'm pretty sure if you go back to old episodes you can probably yeah when you chalk it all up and tally it all up you've you've never been wrong so um congrats congrats on that it's we're like 11 episodes in and you've never been wrong pretty impressive
1: also throughout every episode the Niners haven't lost so that's another thing
0: look okay if if you're if you just follow me on Twitter and if you've been following me long enough and if you've been following me since last season you will know that whenever the Niners lose I post a video And it's, 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 it's become part of my identity almost when the Niners lose, I post a video of, it was a viral video on TikTok where a dude like fake act, he acts like he's about to drink some bleach or like he acts like he's about to ignite himself on fire. (laughs) And he also acts like he's gonna, he's about to jump off of a balcony. I, I'm, I've, I've got the thing ready. Like I've had it ready, like for the last two seasons, whenever it needed to be used. I have not had to use that in like three months. And it's kind of staggering like i i was expecting it to get a lot more mileage this season i haven't had to use it in three full months basically so shout out to the niners for that kfr how's it going man
2: it's going great unlike a certain pessimist of the kings that predicted a 3-1 record who are going to rename unnamed but but they're also named drew all right i predicted a 4-0 record and it's hard to be mad at a 4-0 week the and it also helps when the Kings score 130 points in all four of those games, mm-hmm. and they win by double digits in all four of those games. And we haven't had easy wins like this in a while, so it feels good. Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: yeah, I, I man, the the offense is just it it's on a it's on a different level right now. Uh, and I know that the competition hasn't really been all that great, but I mean, we've seen the Kings struggle against competition that was roughly around the same. As the teams that they played over this past week, they ended up winning these games, though. Unlike some of the other opportunities they had to to really take care of business against bad teams, so we'll just we'll just we'll just get into it. Uh, that first game that started all this off was against the Orlando Magic. Uh, the Kings on Monday night played Orlando. This was really the game that we were looking towards, guys. We were like, all right, th- this is where they need to get back on track because. They blew an opportunity to get off to a very, very good start on their homestand. I mean, just getting one win out of the Hawks or Lakers games would have been fantastic. They, they decided to lose both of those games. Not ideal. So they rebound against the Magic. A 136-111 to 111 win. I was in the building for that one. That game was basically over, like, halfway through the second quarter. You could kind of feel it. Uh, Orlando, look, Orlando's got a really, really nice collection of young talent. You know, Abe, you tweeted out that you think the Magic – has the brightest future in the nba i i really do think it's it's between them and and the oklahoma city thunder i mean those teams are just stacked with so much young talent and it was on display kind of early on against the magic i we've talked about this a ton the kings cannot get off to good starts they're not a very good first quarter team and it was kind of the same against the magic they were kind of just letting them hang around a little bit they did build a little bit of a lead towards the end of that first quarter they kind of didn't look back from then um but you know franz Wagner, I and mesmerized by his self-creation and his lead ball handling ability as a 6'10", 6'11", guy. Paul Bencaro, um, uh, I actually didn't sit up way up high that game and suffer from asphyxia- uh, asphyxiation. I actually was sitting at the lower level that night. And Paulo Bancaro, even from like 100 feet away, is just like a very large human being. And it's just like at 6'10", how is this guy able to move like that? Um, look, that, that, that team's got a lot going on for it. Uh, they're they're competitive. They're scrappy. They're young. They're you know they're 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 young and they're dumb. So they're gonna try to play hard, and they played hard for about a quarter or so. And then the Kings kind of just took care of business from there. Uh, like you said, KFR was a very very comfortable win. Um, there was a lot to like about that win. What stood out to you uh, from that Magic game?
2: Well, first off, eight dudes score double digits for the Kings, mm-hmm. and you know that kind of emphasizes the whole Kings. Anyone can beat you on any night. Any night. And every it's just a balanced offensive scoring. There's really no like picking and choosing. It's just every night everybody's getting looks. Sometimes people get more than others. And but this game was really the Harrison Barnes game. And Harrison's been incredible. Just basically since the clock turned 2023, 20, it feels like he's just been a different animal. Mm-hmm. And it's just the a lot of it is, you know, he's hitting his shots and he wasn't at the beginning of the season. And I tweeted this like earlier. He was at 31% from three, like probably last week, couple weeks ago. And I remember looking at that and it's just like, that doesn't feel like it's going to stand. Like he's due for some like regression to the mean, but like forwards. Sure enough, he's got to be up in like 37% by now. He was 35% before the day started, had another good shooting day today. But this game he has 30 and it's just the Kings offense is also just it's getting him more looks. And I like the whole, me and you talked about it, how they used a double drag set to kind of get him a look going towards the basket, and he mm-hmm. can get seals on switches. He's getting a lot more looks around the basket because they they use these sets to get him around the basket. They The Kings have been running that flex action basically all year. But usually it's been ran for Key, and We've seen it run for him, uh, uh, Harrison, a few times now. So, you know, he's the one receiving a screen from Herbert, and he's getting a look on the opposite side of the block. And then when you add that with all the five-out delay and the double drag sets, which is a five-out offense because you know you have Sabonis at the top of the key. right? And now you have Harrison setting a screen, so you get a chance with, with teams that switch everything on the perimeter. Now he's got a smaller dude on him. And we saw him penalize that in the Magic game a ton, and he would slip in, get seals around the basket, easy baskets. So he was a dude that I feel like we need to give the most flowers to just because he's been incredible all week. This magic game was probably the best he looked. I mean, 11 of 13 from the field. And I mean, this, he has, we've always wanted Harrison to take more threes because he's been such a good shooter over the years. He's shooting with no hesitation now. I mean, we see him pull up in transition off the dribble with no hesitation and he's hitting that shot and he's always had that no dip three. So he can has that like quick trigger any time off the catch. And it's good that he's a, has has that you know like trigger happy mentality right now because we need him to have that and it's good to see him climbing back up there in the percentages because we know he's a way better shooter than he was at the beginning of the season
0: yeah that was, that was kind of the crazy thing with hB early on it was like it was just a bricklay with him and he's right now he's got a percentage I I think it still needs to be updated for for uh Sunday's game against the Spurs but 35.6% from 3. That's that still seems low for Harrison because Harris HB can shoot it, man. Like the guy the guy can shoot the basketball. And so it was just so uncharacteristic to see how poorly he was shooting honestly um to start the season and I think you mentioned it today actually because um, we're recording this on Sunday by the way. So during the Spurs game you mentioned like a few weeks ago Harrison was at 31% from 3. You know, the fact that he's gotten it up to the mid 30s with such a large sample size, kind of shows you how well he's been shooting the ball. Uh, but 11 of 13 from the field, six of seven from three against the Orlando Magic. H- Harrison Barnes has just been, he, he's, he's been absolutely awesome. Uh, shout out to our guy, Will Z, at Will underscore Zimmerle, Z-I-M-M-E-R-L-E on Twitter. Give him a follow. The, guy, the guy's got the numbers on lock. He just tweeted this out a couple of hours ago. Harrison Barnes over the last 15 games He's averaging seventeen point nine points, four point five rebounds, one point four assists, only a turnover per game. Shooting forty nine percent from the field overall, forty five percent from three, and eighty one percent from the free throw line. Like that's that's the Harrison Barnes that we're that we're used that we're used to seeing. That's the HB that we know and love. Like that's that's the Black Falcon before. I don't know what he was before. He was like I don't know, like a crow. Uh, Like what's what's like a what's like a significantly less intimidating foul. He was a pigeon. A pigeon. He was pigeon. So yeah, he's, he's, he's been, he's been awesome. And that, that obviously adds so much to this team, especially now with Keegan playing better. Uh Sabonis playing the best basketball of his life. Obviously Fox is going to be Fox. Like you have, if you can go four deep uh, five deep with your, with your all five of your starters with Herder in there now, you know, out of his slump and playing well, it, it makes sense why this offense is, is just firing on all cylinders right now. So a good win, a comfortable win too, because Sabonis and Fox had been playing heavy minutes heading into that Orlando game. Uh, it was nice to see the Kings avoid having to play them more than they needed to. Wednesday night against the Houston Rockets, it ended up being a one thirty five to one fifteen win, but it really wasn't until late when Trey Lyles, aka the greatest basketball player of all time, decided to take over and just put the Rockets away by himself. Fish guy, you were watching this game. This was this was a game that I admittedly I, I didn't get to watch until the very end. Really. Uh what about that win? Uh, did you like uh, the Kings against the Rockets on Wednesday?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, the Kings started off kind of slow, but I liked the fact that in that second half they decided to it's well, it seemed like Mike Brown decided it's like, hey, listen, we got better players than them. Play better than them. And that's kind of what happened. You know, the Kings just talent just took over. Um uh, the Rockets were hitting like an obscene amount of threes, like contested, like it, it was crazy. But I mean, we, as we all know, Golden One Center is a three-point shooting gym. Clearly, I I don't know why everybody in the world can shoot very well for, uh, against us in that in that in that arena. But um, yeah, the bench. I mean, Trey Lyles played really well. Um, Malik Monk didn't shoot the ball well. Against the the Rockets, but honestly, I, I didn't really have a problem with how he played either. Uh, I feel like the bench has played really well. Um, I will say, heck, Garrison Matthews. That guy tried to kill Keegan Murray right? for no reason. Keegan's the nicest guy ever. He doesn't even say a word on the court. I'd be surprised if he's ever said three words ever on a basketball court. Same. And he tried to kill him, which I don't understand. Um, but overall, the Kings, I was just looking at their numbers, the Kings, they rebounded the ball. Well, they had, uh, 45 rebounds, nine offensive rebounds, you know, um, they got out rebounded, but I mean, it was a blowout at the end of the game. So, you know, that, you know, how how it is when it's the second and third units come in. Um, they shot, they shot 40% from three. They took 48 three-pointers against the Rockets that first game. That is crazy. Um. That was the game. Matthew Dellavedova broke the record, right? Yes, uh,
0: yeah. Delhi hitting a three gave the Kings their franchise record. What was it? Twenty third three pointer, correct? Um, so yeah, I I believe that was Delhi. Yeah, and That's fitting, funny. by the way, fitting.
1: Poetic justice.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, actually, actually, let me let me make sure here. Uh, well, wait, no, that was not the game uh the magic game actually was the game where where the kings broke the record for threes i believe they hit 23 that night which by the way 23 times 3 is 69 so obviously the kings got to the magic number there so the result was never in doubt they also were the first team to score 69 points again if you are the team that gets to to, to 69 first you will win the game just want to let everybody know that that's an actual rule and a law it never fails uh, the Kings, yeah, 19 of forty eight against the Rockets in that first game. Uh, it was actually the Magic game that you were thinking about when uh, when the Kings
1: yeah, played that record. That was my mistake. They also shot thirty one free throws against the Rockets. Now I will say, the Rockets they they're for a team that's just like discombobulated. They they do play pretty chippy on defense, which I can respect that, especially when they're playing uh, for a coach that they clearly hate. <laughs> so I, I can respect that. Um, uh, Future King, former King, and Future King, Kenny Martin Jr. had a really good game. Um, I don't think that had most of it didn't have to do with like defensive lapses. He just was like really well, really good. Um, what I thought was really interesting was how Sabonis was attacking Shengun at the end of the game or in the second half. Um, Shengun was actually playing him pretty well in the first half. You know, and Shengun's. Probably on that same trajectory as Sabonis, to be honest, as a a future all-star facilitating big man. Sabonis played really well against him. uh, And he attacked when he needed to. Keegan Murray, four three-pointers. Harrison Barnes, three three three-pointers. Trey Lyles, three three three-pointers. Like You can't really have a much better complete offensive game than the Kings had that first game.
0: Yeah, and why don't we just segue into the to the, to the next game against the Rockets? We, weird, obviously COVID-inspired thing where a team just stays in town and you just play two games against them. This time, it was a team that actually comes in and actually gets a day off in between the two games, which is just odd. Um, but that's going to happen a couple more times before the end of the season. The Kings are actually going to be the away team for that as well on some occasions. But the Rockets, the Kings played them again. On Friday night, so two days after the first matchup.
1: Uh,
0: the Rockets kind of hung around there for the first half, essentially. Uh, maybe for most of the third as well. And then the Kings kind of just put them away at a certain point um, in the third quarter. And I I don't know. I mean, I, they, they hit a ton of threes again. They were 20 of 40 against the Rockets on Friday night. So that obviously stands out. They've just been shooting the ball very, very well during this stretch. But... I think really the only thing that uh, other than everybody just playing pretty well, generally speaking, I, I think really the only thing that matters when it comes to this game and what we need to talk about when it comes to it is, is, is the whole dust up between Malik Monk and Garrison Matthews. Um, and just how that all ended up playing out. Like I, I still trying to wrap my head around why four guys were ejected. I don't, really get the language of it all. The refs said that Tari Eason and Shemezi Mentu were instigating and escalating the situation. I personally didn't think so. But I, I, I that whole that whole thing was just weird. Um, for those of you who did not watch the game, it was on a loose ball. Essentially, it was a bad pass by a Rockets player. Went into the backcourt and Matthews was trying to chase it down to grab the ball before Malik Monk caught up to it to get an easy layup. He kind of shoulder or hip checked Malik Monk out of the way. Malik took exception to that. And honestly, it was refreshing because I know, I think all of us are a little bit bothered when this type of stuff happens. We don't see the Kings really stand up for their guys like that a lot of the times, right? Like something will happen, some, some BS, some hard foul or something like that will happen. And then like the other, the, other, the other teammates of the guy who just got completely mauled just do not stand up for them. Uh, in, this, in this instance, it was Malik who kind of just took it into his own hands. Like he was the guy who got body checked out of the way. And uh, he threw the ball back at Matthews, and then they got into each other's faces, and then all of a sudden, like, a scrum happened. And four guys got ejected. It was Garrison Matthews, uh, Malik Monk, Tari Eason, and Shemezi Metu ended up getting thrown out. And after, like, a lengthy review, that's what they came to. And it definitely killed the momentum for the Kings, who were just beating the of Rockets at that point. The Rockets, like, I mean, they didn't really get close, but, you know, the Kings probably could have really, really drubbed them even even more had that not happened. I, I just... I oh, no, I'll start with you, KFR. I'm like, what, what,
2: what was your, what, what were your thoughts on the whole thing? So I did. I wasn't able to watch the game. I was at a family thing, but I just remember like because I would keep up with the score. Still look at the ESPN app, see, see what was happening. The score was stuck for like 25 minutes in that game, and I was so <laughs> confused because I wasn't like checking Twitter or nothing at the time. And then I go and I realize, oh, so they're reviewing something. Apparently, some players got a little, got a little rough out there. And then I admittedly still have never seen the actual scrum of what happened. Mm. I never went back and watched because everyone was just like, it's overkill. No one should have been ejected besides like dudes that leave the bench because it literally just is not like – you're not allowed to do that. right? And I think like Jalen Green got suspended for uh, one game because he left the bench or something. But it didn't seem like it was a big deal and not seeing it – you you know, I – never felt the need to go back and watch it. And the only part of this game I watched was the final three minutes. I never, I didn't watch a replay of the game at all. I saw Sabonis's crazy stat line for the day. It was 19, 16 and 15. And, mm. and I probably should go back and watch just because I, that's a ridiculous stat line, but uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean one by 25 and not, not much to say about this game <laughs> since I didn't watch it, but uh, Terrence Davis though I will give him some flowers for dropping 22 because I, I was critical of him and I still am I think that it, you know he has his clear flaws as a player but when Terrence Davis is on he's fun and that was uh according to the stat sheet it was a Terrence Davis on game so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll give him his props yeah extremely
0: on and uh I was uh, I was actually at the game with uh, our good friend, Twitter user, Big Roar Dog. Big, big shout out to Rory. He's a big Terrence Davis guy. So it was fitting that Terrence Davis had his second best game of the season with Big Roar Dog in the house. And uh, yeah, I'm glad that he got to enjoy that Fish guy, what were you? What were your thoughts on the whole scrum? I, I, it's, it's. I, I'm in agreement with KFR. It really wasn't that big of a deal or anything like that. Like, I, I don't think four guys should have been ejected for it. But that, that thing was just kind of dumb. And then the review lasted like I don't know, 15 minutes. It felt like it was just stupid. What would you think?
1: You know me. I'm always down for a good old brawl. <laughs> the Kings need that toughness. They need a, they need, they need to fight. They like, I'm glad that they actually stood up for themselves this time. And I'm glad that the guys stood up for Malik too. Um, I don't think that people shouldn't have gotten ejected. I think that Garrison Matthews definitely should have gotten ejected, especially because he had a flagrant one the game prior. So I think I definitely think the refs took that into consideration. Mm-hmm. He probably should have got suspended. I don't know how he didn't get suspended of all players. He should have been the one get, to get suspended. Um, he's just dirty. I don't know that that's just, like, I know people talk about Grayson Allen and whatever, like, Garrison Matthews, we've seen it in back-to-back games, and I even I follow a couple of Rockets fans, and they're saying the same exact thing. Garrison Matthews is just a dirty, like, careless player. He should have been suspended. Um, Malik Monk, probably saying, not even a full sentence, getting getting ejected. Dumb. Chimezie Metu, I guess he did the the finger point of death. Mm-hmm. I guess people think he's Frieza from Dragon Ball Z,
0: <laughs>
1: and they wanted him. Ejected. Um, I I do think now I want to say I think the rules for players getting off the bench, getting ejected, and suspended, I think that's dumb. I I don't I don't like that. I think that's a dumb a dumb rule. If a player gets off the bench to break up the fight, that should be perfectly fine. Now, if they get off the bench and instigate, okay. That's one thing. But I definitely think that Chemezi Metu. Ever since he broke his wrist, right? Because Valentinus was on that dirty Valentinus play a couple years ago. He's been playing with like he wants to fight. He does not let anybody, anybody check anyone, including himself, obviously. And we've seen it in the in the in the summer league.
0: Yeah, a two-piece dude in summer league.
1: <laughs> and good for him. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm so proud of him. I'm I'm so I'm so happy. That makes me happy. You know, I obviously I don't want to see people fight, but if a fight just so happens to break out. I want to see the Kings stoned down. I want to see them. I, I I love it. Like I like you think of the teams from the early 2000s. Doug Christie, bro. Like, you seen Doug Christie was smiling. See C, on C Webb.
0: C, yeah. Webb. C yeah. Webb. literally destroyed John Stockton on a screen at the in the very first game of the 99 playoffs because he wanted to send a message. And Boy, did they ever! I mean, they, I think I believe they won that game. They they stole one in Utah. I mean, they nearly won that series. Like, yeah, I, I know it's a different era, and it's good that the that the Kings are playing well right now. But typically, good teams have like they have a couple of not so nice guys. The team just seems like it's full of really really nice guys right now. So I I I, I hear you on that. They they need look. Uh, shout out to Big Roar Dog again. He actually mentioned Garrison Matthews. He was like, hey, can somebody tell, I don't know if you guys saw this tonight, it was in one of our group chats, but he was like, hey, can somebody tell me why Garrison Matthews is, uh, why his advanced stats numbers pop, but he doesn't really do anything on the court, and then he realized, oh, it's probably like a minutes thing, he wasn't playing all that much, and then you also realize, oh, well, he's kind of a piece of shit, (laughs) he's just out there trying to harm people, but if the Kings somehow swung a trade and they got Garrison Matthews, I look there are gonna have to be some things that are gonna have to be ironed out. They're gonna have to, you know, talk to the guys, probably Monty McNair. But I, I, w- I honestly wouldn't be like mad at it. Uh, Matthews went off against the Kings in in, in two games, or he played well for his standards uh, in two games against the Kings. so I, I wouldn't necessarily be mad at it. Um, to just cl- to just close out the the Rockets games, I will say this: this is to your point, Abe. About how the Kings just knew that they had not only better players, but they had the best players on the floor. Sabonis specifically, KFR. You saw this. I think a lot of, in the Wednesday game. I saw it a ton on the fr- in the Friday game. Dude, they would just they just spammed slice punch. They just went back to slice punch every single time down the court. They wanted to get Demontis Sabonis a post touch. They also they also they also got him post touches via their uh, wide uh, reject flex set as well. Um, they would just, you know, if, if nothing came from that pin down, the guy coming off the pin down would just catch it. Sponis would just turn and seal and he would just go to work. I mean, again, good on the staff. We've seen it multiple times this season. If something works or if they like a matchup, they will go back to the same thing over and over and over again. They're not going to try to big brain it and try to like overthink it. They're just going to try to keep on going back to the well, until the well's dry. And when you have the best player out on the court, just give him the ball, just give him the ball and just let him work. He's going to make, he's he's going to make a play for himself or somebody else. And, and uh, I, I think Simona's stat lines from both of those games is is indicative of that. Like that guy just absolutely took over. Um, all right, last game of the week: the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, we are actually again we are recording this on Sunday, so this just happened a few hours ago. But the Kings once again slow start, one and a half time uh, with a with a slim lead, and ended up just the third quarter has all of a sudden become the Kings quarter for some reason. And uh, I'm sorry, actually, they were actually down at halftime. They're down 64, 63 at halftime. That's, that's, that's my mistake. They, they won the third quarter 39 to 26 though. That really was the difference. They ended up winning the game 132 to 119. The Spurs put on like an otherworldly shooting display in, in the fourth quarter, they were hitting everything. There was a stretch where they hit three consecutive threes. To keep it close and to keep it interesting, but in the end, I think the better team just ended up winning out. Um, Fish, thoughts on this one?
1: Well, I mean the Kings. I mean this, this, and it's the norm now. They're going to start off game slow. Uh, I mean, even uh, I think Mike Brown talked about it. They just want to conserve Darren Fox's energy throughout the game. And you can even see how he staggers the minutes, you know, with him and, and Sabonis. The Kings, they want to be a second-half team. And I think that that has a lot to do with Mike Brown's time in Golden State, right? Because the Warriors, since 2015, are probably the greatest third-quarter team of all time. Like, we've seen it time and time again. We've seen the Clay Thompson game against the Kings. Sorry to open up old wounds, but we've seen the, that Clay Thompson game, right? the game was like tied at half or the Kings were winning at like, by like four or something at that game, you know? And then the Warriors lit it up. It's just what the Kings do now. And I think that Mike Brown, it feels like he opens up the playbook a little bit uh, in the, in the second half. And that's, that's a brand of, of playoff basketball. You know what I mean? That's a brand of uh, basketball playoff teams use. And you know, you can only, you can only appreciate it. So Luckily, the Kings turned it on in the in the second half. Um, not much more else to say. I mean, the Kings are just a better team than the Spurs. It, it shouldn't have been close the first half at all. But, you know, the Kings got, got the win, and they left, they left uh, San Antonio on a four-game winning streak.
2: Yeah, I don't think the Kings came locked in defensively that game, but I don't think their defense was that bad in the first half. San Antonio was hitting some ridiculous shots, like – Josh Richardson all night, like he's a decent shooter, thirty five percent on the season. That dude was hitting everything tonight. It made no sense, and yeah, Keldon Johnson with his moonball jumper that nearly hits the roof every time. Mm-hmm. Like he has those stretches where he makes everything, but he ends the game like nine of twenty five. But it felt like he made a lot more than that because, it, and then I don't know, it just. I feel like the Kings played some decent defense like Davion w- was getting some great contests in that first half and the Spurs were just making shots over him and it's just the way it is. And you wouldn't think like a team like the Spurs would be able to, because at one point they were like 75%, 21 to 28 in the first half. I remember we're checking that during a timeout and kind of felt at that point. Like the Kings were looking good, which sounds weird considering they're letting a team shoot 75%, but the Kings were like also like, up one during that stretch. So the fact that the Spurs are shooting 75% and the Kings are still, like, basically even with them kind of speaks to the vol- volumes about this Kings team. And we knew that they'd cool down eventually, but, you know, they do, like, catch fire in the fourth again. But De'Aaron Fox in the fourth kind of closed it out, started attacking Jakob Pertl in the pick-and-roll with uh, Sabonis. Just Fox's ability to get downhill and kind of force those switches and get portal on him. And Purtle has to give him space just because... It's Fox. And so he would take those jumpers every time. And just uh, the common theme of all these games is just the Kings really. I don't think they're like super lexagisical in the first half, but they aren't like as engaged on both ends. And so, you know, you end halftime, like basically even every time and the Kings just take over because of the better team in the fourth. And when they lock in, they're, they look like one of the best teams in the league, and especially defensively, because we don't see it as much. But in the fourth quarter of the Spurs game, I feel like we saw some really good defense, like in spurts. Once they put Davion Mitchell back in late in that game, it was probably some of the better defense they played all season.
0: Yeah, this was a uh, this was a Davion Mitchell game, which uh, I mean, that's one of the few things I well. I I I, I live for a lot with this team now. But I mean, even last season, it's like Davion was like 95% of the reason why I was even tuning into games towards the end of the season. Against the Spurs on Sunday, 19 points, seven of eight from the field, four five from three in just 20 minutes of work. He was also a plus 20, plus minus. I mean, he he was sensational. And on nights where he's giving you offense on top of what you already know, what you're gonna get from him defensively, I mean, that's that's a luxury that that I know Mike Brown and his staff certainly love and and i i honestly i i don't really care too much about Davion's offense i was actually tonight earlier tonight after the game uh there there was uh there was a space on twitter with our good friends from the cowbell talk spaces shout out to those people and uh our good friend Megaloo was talking about how she doesn't really care about Davion's offense if if he hit, if he hits shots and he plays well on offense then great but he he means a lot to this team defensively like he needs to be out there at least 20 minutes a night because of what he gives you defensively you know his net rating tonight was like a was like a 40 something <laughs> he was like 40 45 plus 45 in the net because the defensive rating of the team was just so low uh when he was out there and then obviously tonight he had a great offensive game so uh he 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 was just I, Trey Jones, bless his soul. That man Davion had him in hell. Uh, <laughs> like anybody that Davion was guarding uh, against the Spurs on Sunday was just they just you, you could just tell like it was it was laborious. It was so difficult for them to to initiate anything if he was guarding them, uh, bringing the ball up the court. And then even after that, just his off-ball defense is just is it's, it's been as sensational as ever. So he does so much for this team. Really got to shout him out for uh, his performance against the Spurs. Um, let's pivot real quick to Keegan, though. He is having a historic three-point shooting season. For those of you out there who did not know, uh, this is specifically with the Kings franchise. Coming into today, Keegan Murray had made 92 threes. He was 3-7 against the Spurs, so that puts him at 95 for the season. The Kings record for most threes made by a rookie is 129. That was by Bo Dumbogdanovich. The NBA record for a rookie is 187 by Donovan Mitchell. Keegan looks like he's probably going to... And by the way, shout out to Will Z. That, that was, those numbers were courtesy of him. He's going to get that rookie record for the Kings franchise for sure, I think. Uh, I, I would... It'd be tough to imagine that he only hits, uh, what? Let's see, one twenty nine, ninety five. It'd be tough to imagine that he hits thirty three threes for the rest of the season, right? But one eighty seven, which is the rookie for, uh, which is the rookie NBA record. So we're talking league history here. We have half a season to go. He's halfway there. Can he do it?
1: Yes. Uh, I can yeah? I mean, why why wouldn't he be able to? You know, it makes you makes me wonder though. Imagine how much closer he would be if he didn't have a terrible November.
0: Was literally just thinking that. So that's so that's the other thing that we have to take into consideration here. The rookie wall, they say, is a re- is a real thing. It is a real thing, right? I, I you go from playing like thirty something games in high school to playing about forty if your team is really good in college, and then you get to the NBA and it's more than twice that a lot of the times, right? Like you have to manage your body and you have to be able to 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 stay fresh throughout the course of an 82 game season, Keegan seems like a smart guy. He knows how to take care of his body and all that stuff. Uh, he obviously has been a little bit nicked up here and there this season, right? Was sick at one point as well. Assuming he stays healthy, I don't. I, I'm with you guys. I, I don't think there's any reason why he wouldn't be able to at least get close to that. Uh, if he breaks it, great. But to think that we're 42 games into the season at this point, he's kind of, he's he's and he's a and he's more than uh, he's more than halfway to the record. That's Kind of surprising. And, you know, he won't end the season playing all 82 games. So he'll be doing it in less than 82 games. I mean, that's, that just goes to show you, man. Like this, this guy, this guy's good. He's very, very good. And right now, he's, he's obviously, I don't want to say one, he's not one dimensional, but obviously he's out there. He, and the thing is, is he's smart enough to know his role. He plays within himself. He's going to be spotting up. He's going to be looking for opportunities to knock down threes. That's why he, he knows that's why he's out there. And that adds, Another layer to this King's offense that was just missing these last, well, really, over the last 16 years. So with him and Herder out there, it's it's awesome. I mean, we 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 actually were talking about this on the timeline during the game. Kfr, anytime that Herder and Keegan are put together in off-ball actions, the strain that that puts on a defense is just enormous. And if you have Sabonis in there running stuff from the high post, I mean, they'll kill you. And and today it was a simple 45 cut <laughs> that that Herder made. To the basket that freed up Keegan for a DHO, uh, and and we're already starting to see a little bit more wiggle from from Keegan. Like he'll take a DHO and he'll try to get downhill with it. Uh, what is there anything else that he could? Is there anything else that he could do off of those types of actions or any of those off ball actions that that could even take him to a, like an- another level? We know he's great at cutting, right? He's he's great at just coming up off of movement, catching, shaking up from the corner, and hitting threes. But like, what else? What else would you like to see from this one moving forward? I know it's tough to make. Uh, adjustments and, like, add things to your game in the middle of the season. But, I mean, we do have a long way to go here. What do you think?
2: First off, the gravity of Herder creates so much for Keegan right now. It's crazy. Because all those off-ball actions, like, teams don't have that, like, Keegan elite shooter as on the scouting report for that type of stuff. Like, they don't help off of him in terms of, like, the weak side stuff. They would prefer to, you know, stay attached to him. But the gravity that Herter has is insane because he'll pull both defenders like a majority of the times whenever he's setting a screen. And so that frees up that like split second for Keegan to pop out and he's open enough to get a clean look for him. But in terms of what else he can add, like in Iowa, he was a straight line driver. Like no matter what off the dribble that he didn't really like have a bag, as the kids say, like in terms of the dribble moves and like a finishing package. It it was all like strength. He used his strength and size and his long strides to get to the basket. And so we know he has like great touch around the basket. The Kings haven't utilized it too much. We do like recently, we we have seen them try to get him some low post touches and in the offense, like designed and scripted, scripted touches. But off the dribble, I don't, I don't know. Like teams will start, as he continues to uh, knock down threes teams are going to be more aggressive on their closeouts. And, you know, once that becomes in the scouting report, like, okay, this dude is a legit 41% shooter. We're not going to, you know, we can't send to it herder, no matter what we, we have to be more uh, aware of who we're defending in this action. Teams will you know close out harder and that'll create more driving lanes. And so I think that that driving game to the basket will be opened up over time. And especially like once it gets to off season to kind of d- develop a bit more of a handle because he's kind of nervous putting the ball on the ground right now, mm-hmm. which I think we kind of expected. Like his role right now is to be a spot of a shooter, and we all kind of understood that. Like coming in like as a rookie, this dude don't expect him to be scoring self created points like that. That that's the next step for him. I don't think we're gonna see that this season, but next season I think that once you know teams will be be overplaying him next season and have that on the scouting report that they can't leave him no matter what, that will open up driving game and just the ability of him to develop as a player because I think that if you go back to, like, in college, he his first season compared to where he ended up in college, completely different player. The dude developed so much that I will, and, like, I mean, you see the same for his brother, yeah. Chris, and the thing that I want to, like, we say the rookie wall, right? Keegan's best games in, at Iowa with the Big Ten tourney. So late in season. Yep. Like, what if Keegan just gets better, like, as the year goes on? Mm-hmm. Then what if what if that number that was, like, 31% from three is up to 41 now? What if that goes up to, like, 45? <laughs> Maybe a bit unrealistic, but, like, you get the point. Like, this dude yeah. could still, like, he, he's a dude that gets better as the season goes on. And his workload at Iowa was different. Like, he was asked to do way more on offense. So it, it it does help him, you know, playing more games in a season, but he's not asked to do as much offensively. So it does help relieve a lot of stress. Yeah, his usage was through the roof at Iowa. And it kind of had to be, you know, they, they, they
0: lose a guy, an All-American and Luca Garza, who was who was a prolific scorer. Somebody had to fill those shoes. I mean, that's just how Fran McCaffrey runs his teams. And you see it now with his brother, Chris, like Chris has filled that role as well. And and it's crazy how their developmental arc is kind of like the same. It's just Keegan was always kind of like a half step ahead. He was sensational in the Big Ten tournament last last season. 105 points through, through four games it just willed his team to the tournament title. I think they wore themselves down so much in the tournament or in the conference tournament that when they actually got to the NCAA tournament, it was just, you know, they, they kind of ran out of gas and they lost in the first round. But but you're right. He He got better as the season went along last year. In his last year at Iowa. I don't think it's far-fetched to think that that could be the case in the NBA. And we're already seeing it. It's even with like really subtle things. But he's starting to finish through. He's dunking on people through contact now. Which. A few months ago. That was. That was not in. That was not ever going to happen. That was never going to be a thing with Keegan that early on in the season. Now we're seeing it. It's like. Man. he's, He's already showing growth. But. Just him being an elite three-point shooter out there, man. This this offense is really like it, it's it's just something. It's a completely different beast when both he and Herter are out there uh, occupying defenders because they're such great shooters, and it just opens up so much for for your for your corner, your, your cornerstones in, in Fox and Sabonis. Um, all right, KFR. Last week you shouted out your shout out last week was to the Pacific Division because they just nobody seems to want to win the division. The Kings have kind of separated themselves since. So we'll talk about that for a little bit here. Ladies and gentlemen, your Sacramento Kings are six games over 500 at 24 and 18 as of this moment. And they have a two and a half game lead in the Pacific Division. They are the four seed in the Western Conference. And with a couple of losses from teams around them today, they, they've got like a full game lead on, uh, on the teams beneath them. For the four seed, they're they they would have home court advantage for the first round of the playoffs right now. Fish guy, large sample size now. I think I think we can confidently say that this Kings team is pretty good. Halfway through the season, they're the four seed. Can can the Kings stay there? Can can the Kings potentially like not have to deal? The goal this season was to play in. Is there a chance that we don't even have to worry about that?
1: I don't. I don't think we're a playing team. I think we're a playoff team. I think it, it'll be hard for me. I'm, I'm at the point where I'd be disappointed if they were a playing team. Like, they, like looking at looking at the the Western Conference right now, right? The standings are the Kings are how many games? They're two and a half games above the Clippers, who are the sixth seed. So they're three games above the the Timberwolves. And the Kings, I think they have the eighth easiest schedule left, something like that, for the rest of the season. They got a lot of gimmies left this year. And I will say, I don't think that, I don't think it's that the Kings are really better per se than all these teams that they're ahead of. But I'll tell you one thing the best ability is availability. And the Kings have not had many injuries, thank God, knock on wood. Um, but generally speaking, they have a team full of guys who don't really miss that many games. You know what I mean? And I think that's another thing Monty, you know, took into consideration when he built this team. You know, he wants guys who are going to be available. And look at Sabonis, playing through a broken, fractured thumb. You know what I mean? Any other guy in the NBA, majority of guys in the NBA probably wouldn't play through that. You know, it's it's not a good injury. It's a terrible injury. Um, but just looking at it like, I think if the Kings, you know, the Kings still have. R- think-
0: Real quick, I will say this: uh, when your dad is Arvidas Sabonis and Arvidas, I'm pretty sure used to eat glass for breakfast. I, I, I don't, I don't think, that. I don't think that if you're the son of a dude who used to just, you know, was was representing war torn countries and has seen some shit and was like one of the greatest European basketball players ever, would be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna take a few games off, Dad. I don't think Dad'd be okay with that. And, I, and Dad was in the building around the time that actually he was in the building like when. The injury happened, like he was here for the holidays and he saw that. I, I, I'm pretty sure his dad was just like, rub some fucking dirt in it and get, him. get back out there. He, needs you. he missed one game and he came back and he's been putting up insane numbers ever since. I just just wanted to throw that in there.
1: Yeah, he just, he just put his thumb in rice. You yeah. know what I mean?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, you put your thumb in rice and then overnight, it, you know, it gets fixed and next
1: morning you're cool. Yeah, exactly. You know, but looking at the, looking at the Kings schedule, I like, they still have two games against the Clippers who... I don't think the Clippers are a bad team. I think that, I just think they're they're hurt. You know, they mm-hmm. they at full strength, they're probably the best team in the basketball. You know, let's just be honest. But they're not healthy, right? The Kings still got two games against them. They haven't played the Timberwolves this season yet. And generally speaking, the Kings usually always play well against the Timberwolves. So they still got against the, the games against the Timberwolves. I think three. They got three games against the Mavericks, which the Mavericks are. They're a wishy-washy team. I don't know if they're good. I don't know if they're bad. They have Luke Up, and then I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, they still got games against the Blazers. They still got three games against the Suns, who the Suns look terrible. Obviously, they're hurt, but even before they were hurt, they didn't really look that great. Um, I just don't see how the the teams behind the Kings, I don't see how the Kings get behind them. I I, I think it's very, 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 very realistic to see with how the season's played out, the Kings staying around the fourth or fifth seed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, holy shit. I <laughs> like <laughs> before the season, everybody was like, all right, play in, baby. Let's go. Right. And and the expectations, the bar is so low around here. Like, just, just play like competent basketball. If the kings were just on the outside looking in at the play in picture, and and they were like a half game out right now of like the tenth spot. Do, do you know how excited people still would be? Right, this team is playing <laughs> so much better than anybody could have expected them to, and now the possibility of hosting a first round playoff series is possible. Again, we've got a long, long way to go, and and I honestly, Abe, I think you're right. The the Clipper, the collection of talent that the Clippers have, just the star power that they have. Yeah, they're one of the best teams in the league if they're fully healthy. If they were just fully healthy, Kawhi and PG were playing every single game from from the jump. I, I, there's no question to me that they'd be like a top four or five seed in the West, for sure. And they have a proven coach, which, and tactically, Ty Lu is fantastic. The, the guy is an X's and O's and an and, and adjustments wizard, okay? Given that and their talent, that team should be a lot better. The tough thing for them, though, and you just mentioned the strength of schedule, the tough thing for the Clippers is they've given away a lot of wins because of injury, because of resting guys and that type of thing. And now, with thirty-seven games left in the season for them, they have the third toughest remaining schedule out of all the teams in the league. Like that that that's the price that they've paid because of how they've decided to to manage these guys and, and their injuries and really, you know, resting them on back to backs and things like that. So if it comes down to the end of the season, and it's like a game or two that separates the Kings and the Clippers from the division title, or the Kings and the Warriors, right? And the Warriors have been hurt, right? And the Suns have been hurt. Lakers as well. Like if that's what separates the Kings from those teams and they lost a few games, they shouldn't have early on in the season. I mean, that that's tough. That's a real, real tough look.
1: I will say another team that's been actually kind of hot lately, especially in the new year, the Timberwolves, mm-hmm. they're going to get Carl Anthony Towns back, but let me tell you, they did not look good with Carl Anthony Towns and Gobert. Gobert, you know, yep. that might be, that might be, that may be bad for them. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So mm-hmm. They're probably gonna they're probably gonna fall off a little bit when he comes back, and he comes back, and I think I think I read because I have him on my fantasy team, two of them, unfortunately, and <laughs> I, I think he comes back in like two or three weeks, mm-hmm. and probably maybe after All Star break. That's I don't think that's gonna be good for them.
0: Uh, and to add on to that, the Timberwolves have the fifth toughest remaining schedule the rest of the season. It's not gonna be easy for these teams. The Kings, the Kings. Uh, in case you guys were curious. A, you said they felt somewhere around like eighth easiest they're actually like middle of the pack um strength of schedule combined with their opponents uh their total winning percentage is five oh three with forty games left in the season they have the fourteenth most difficult uh remaining schedule but that's that's manageable and the kings have the kings have given themselves some breathing room by winning games that they should win,
1: yeah I'm gonna take that before the 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 last like three games okay yeah um, that's true oh that's probably like a major like
0: yeah yeah that's yeah you gotta think about the last four opponents the kings have played that probably definitely skewed it the other way uh kfr what do you think your thoughts on this like the the playoff picture and 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 how things might finish for, for the kings and where they might end up
2: expectations changed and i would ape i would be disappointed if they ended up as a play team because this team i think we all see like even though they're playing lesser competition right now this is a playoff team i think for sure it's got to be a top six seed Mm -hmm. especially with having an easier schedule remaining. And this is also like the one year maybe ever where it helps to be in the West, at least for the King's sake. Yeah, Because first off, there are like no bad teams in the West. I mean, the Lakers are 13th and that's the team that has LeBron James. Mm -hmm. So that kind of tells you something that there's really like only two legit bad teams. But in the East and you know, you got five teams already that have basically established themselves as like borderline contenders. In the West, there's only two teams that have separated themselves from the rest. That, that being the Grizzlies and Nuggets, and the Pelicans have shown flashes. And if they're healthy, they're probably in that conversation. But the Kings are one and a half games out of the three seed. Like that, we're more than halfway through the season, and the Kings are barely a game and a half out of the three seed. That's absolutely ridiculous. And I, th- I think this is a playoff team. I think right now expectations are. You know, you're expecting at least 40 wins, which is insane to think for a Sacramento Kings team. We're expecting 40 wins, and we're probably disappointed if they only win 40 at this point.
0: Yeah, I think 2018, 2019, the Kings win is the All-Star break, like what, like 28 and 25 or something like that, right? Uh, But it just, I don't know. that did not seem sustainable. It just didn't. I
2: think I think a good indicator of that is always like the point differential and net rating. Yeah, yes. And yeah. the fact that, that the net rating itself backs up this Kings team is a huge factor because it's not like, you know, they're one of those teams, six games over five hundred, but they actually like their expected win loss is five hundred. No, they're actually like their net rating says that they should be better than what they are. So yeah. I think that's a huge indicator and like to bring football into it. Not to like beg on any. Uh, I was Vikings. I was
0: literally just thinking this. I was literally just <laughs> not about not, to not to like
2: this. go at the Vikings, but uh, yeah, I think everyone kind of knew that team was not uh, a how good their record was. They won like thirteen games in the regular season, but I think they were like a negative point mm-hmm. differential, yeah. which is insane for a team that won thirteen games in football. Sure enough, they lose round one. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I I do like that the fact that the Kings have an expected win-loss record of like 25 and 17 right now. I believe that's what it is.
0: Yeah, the, the Minnesota Vikings had the most wins for a team with a negative point differential in NFL history. They finished with a negative point differential in 113 games. They're living on the edge the entire season. The, the, the Kings, again, totally different sport, but the Kings are not that they they have they have come out and they have and they have taken care of business against teams that they should have taken care of business against and that speaks to obviously the players being prepared um having having heart This team's got so much heart that they they, sometimes it is annoying how it seems like they will just give teams a league uh, a lead and then they have to claw their way back into it but i mean that that shows their character you know for not giving up and then obviously mike brown and the coaching staff like they've done a fantastic job this season and just having these guys ready to play and just being so attentive and, and and really putting these guys in a position to succeed.
1: You know, another thing, you know, we've talked about this plenty of times, you know, the Kings don't get blown out, you know, they like maybe they'll lose by 10, 11, 12. Like that's not a blowout. You know, obviously that's about pulling away at the end. The Kings are, are not getting blown out. And, you know, surprisingly, and again, you mentioned the 2018, 2019 season where about the point differential and the net rating. I was actually gonna bring that up too. Like we knew the Kings weren't really that great in 2018, 2019. That was just a fun season. You know, they were just like a fun team. That's what made them entertaining to watch, right? Um with the Kings this year, like you just watch them and you're like, yeah, this is a good basketball team. Yeah, I know that they don't really play that much defense. I think that's more personnel based than it is like the team just being bad on defense, but again, we talked about this as well. Like their brand of basketball is a, a a playoff brand of basketball. They, they, they are built to play in the playoffs and teams that have positive net ratings and, you know, positive point differentials. They are teams that they play a brand of basketball that is going to be sustainable in the playoffs. You know, I, I think a team that reminds me of the 2018, 2019 Kings this year is like the Pacers, right? Like, they don't have. I think they have an even net rating, or maybe it's just just a tick below negative. Um, last time I checked, which was like a, a couple weeks ago, and you see them like we know if the Patriots play the Celtics in the first round, they're going to get swept and they're going to get blown out every single game. Yeah. You know, that's just an example of winning games by luck. You know, not luck, but winning just winning games is by by chance. You know, and. The Vikings, you know, they won eleven games with by, by one
0: by one possession <laughs> or less. Yeah, by one possession. It was it was insane. It was absolutely insane.
1: Yeah, we talked. I mean, not to get off topic, but I mean, we talked about it. How many times did we talk about it on Niners, Chad Drew? How how we wish the Niners would play them in the playoffs. It's just an like, example. Yeah.
0: And and then like before the sorry, everybody, off topic. Seriously, <laughs> but the, the Niners ended up with the two seed, and even when the Niners were the three seed and the Vikings were in position to, to get the two seed before they, before they lost the game down the stretch and gave the Niners a two seed. I think everybody in our, all of our Niners friends were just like, no, nah, it's fine. We'll go to Minnesota. It's, it's not a big deal. <laughs> like and it's only going to take one or two really good drives to take that crowd out of it. And that's what the giants did to them today. I it's that, that is very, very true. And, and, and to your point about the team not getting blown out, I can only really think of three games, three games really where two of the Memphis games, to the losses right the one at home early on in the season when they started off 0 four uh they they ended up losing that game by double digits um the game in Boston where I mean it's the Celtics the Celtics are like probably the best team in the league they just blitzed the Kings end of the third quarter going into the fourth they went like a 37 to one run and just did look back from there and then the Kings just didn't have it against the Grizzlies on New Year's Day in Memphis and and they kind of just took control of that game but even then that game wasn't really a blowout it, it was it, it was it was they hung around they just couldn't Hit a shot or two to 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 really pull that game any closer than a couple of possessions. That's to think about the games in which the Kings have lost, where they really haven't had the shit kicked out of them like that. I mean, there's there's a lot more of those than the ones that where they have gotten beat up. So
1: it, it says a lot about this team. I, I would say I would argue that the, the Knicks game was worse than those Grizzlies games. You that's, know what I mean? Yeah, like,
0: that's true. Yeah,
1: and I don't even think the Kings really got blown out against the Grizzlies. I think that in this in the fourth quarter, the Grizzlies just you know. Talent prevails, I guess. The Grizzlies are a more talented team than the Kings, and they just, you know, push the issue, and then you know they pulled away. I don't think it was a blowout. The Kings were in it both those games. The Knicks game, I mean, the Kings were just, Kings. The Kings couldn't hit a layup if Mm -hmm. it was wide open. Nobody was around them. You know, that was just a bad game. But that was was those only like four games I could think of where I'm like, yeah, the Kings, the Kings sucked tonight.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. The 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 number of games that I can put under the category of games that have totally pissed me off. I, there might not even be a single one on there, honestly, because I think sometimes you just have to accept that your team just doesn't have it on a certain night. And sometimes you can just tell right away with the Kings. And, and I, I, yeah, just just got to give it up to this team and the coaching staff. Like they, they, have just, they've just brought it every single night this, this season, essentially. Um, all right. Let's, let's, let's talk real quick about, uh, about the offense and the defense. The offense is the Kings average the most points in the game. I mean, uh, most points per game in the league right now. Um, I think they may eclipse 120 uh, because they had just dropped 132 on the, on the Spurs on Sunday night. But their offensive rating sits at number three in the league. The Denver, the Denver Nuggets are number one in the league in offensive rating at 117.5. The Boston Celtics are number two at 117.4. The Kings are third at 117.3. They're right there with one of the best offenses in NBA history. It's not just this season. It's, it's a historically good offense. And then the fourth place team is the Utah Jazz. They're at 115.9. I mean, there, there's there's a gap there between the top three teams and then everybody else. And then the Kings defensively, obviously we've talked a little bit about their struggles. They're down at 25th now in defensive rating. KFR, I got to wonder, with the offense being so good, can we... I mean, it's it's annoying watching them just give up bucket after bucket. But I mean, when your offense is that good, that does kind of it does kind of, you know, mitigate some of the defensive lapses and and that leaky defense. Right.
2: Yeah. And it feels like they just come out every game just expecting, you know, our offense will get it done. So we don't really need to lock in defensively. And then they realize when they're giving up, you know, like 80 points in the first half, and it's a tie, tie game, like, mm-hmm. okay, we need to like at least put in like stretches here and there. Yeah. And then that's when they create separation because it feels like the offense just never slows down. Like to score 130 points in five straight games is I don't I don't know. Has it ever been done? Like Yeah. So
0: again, shout out to our guy Will Z. Again. Uh the Kings are the first team since the nineteen eighty eight Denver Nuggets. And that was a team that, like, averaged that, right? Yes. And, like, they, so, they,
2: didn't, they didn't even care about yeah, the other side. exactly. They didn't,
0: they didn't give a shit about defense. First team since 1988 people to to score five, to, to have five consecutive games of 130-plus
2: points. Unreal. But the second unit is figuring it out defensively. Like, they look a lot... When the second unit's in the game, just like Davion especially, because every time he's in, the, the energy kind of shifts in that in. But they are kind of figuring it out. There's a lot more consistent effort, at least with, with the starters. It just—it's really just effort. I feel like because, you know, Fox started the season off. He was pretty engaged defensively at all times. It the the effort and intensity isn't exactly like been there recently with him. But every time like the Kings need to stop, like he'll be up in an offensive player's face and pressuring the ball. And you know he's locked in when he needs to be. But the effort just like wavers and. But the fact that we can get stops when we need to is huge. The offense is ridiculous. And I think it is, like, safe to say this is one of the best offenses in basketball. And, like, the numbers would say, like, one of the best offenses ever because the fact that the Celtics and Nuggets are, like, playing some of the best offensive basketball ever and the Kings are basically even with them, you know, kind of shows you. And then the Kings are also up there in, like, true shooting percentage and they don't really turn the ball over that much, but they get a ton of assists. Every number you look at indicates the offense is elite, and we have enough of a sample size to say that it basically is. And they can beat you in any way. They have the clutchest player in basketball and Fox, who can basically get to a spot anytime he wants. They have an elite low post scorer, but also the hub of their offense that creates just easy looks for everybody in Sabonis, and then elite movement shooters that you know they can stack and combo each other off of, and Herder and Keegan. And, you know, they got a creator off the bench in Malik and other spark plugs that, you know, we see in stretches like Terrence Davis and Trey Lyles can be huge. There's just so many different guys that can beat you with this offense. It's hard to, like, find any weak spot because, you know, even like Davion, like Davion doesn't give you much in offense. And then he has the night like he did against the Spurs tonight where he scores 19 and he's hitting all his threes. So, so it's hard to, like, nitpick and say, you know, oh, they need to improve here. They don't need to improve the offense at all. Like, they have all the pieces that are there and the only aside, the only thing that you need to improve on is defense. And the fact that they can't get stops when they need to is leads me to believe it's not too big of a problem come playoff time.
0: Yeah. And obviously you get to the playoffs, you're facing the best of the best. Look, people are going to (laughs) score. Like it's, it's the NBA, right? Like these guys are so good. They're going to, they're going to score whenever they want to. It's really, how how many stops you can get uh over the course of the game that you can kind of string together and stack up and then when you can get them right like obviously in the in the biggest moments of a game you would love for them to to happen then and 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 the kings generally speaking have have been doing a pretty decent job of that over the course of the season all right we're to our favorite part of the uh the podcast here we're going to look we're going to take a look at the week ahead and i Last week was a bit of a negative, Nancy. I I can't sit here and act like that wasn't the case because you guys said, "Oh, we're going to go four and zero. Kings are going to go four and and I and I decided to say, "Ah, no, they'll be three and one. They'll lose to the Ma- I don't and I I really don't understand. I I'm trying to think back on it and think about my rationale. I don't remember why I decided to choose an L for the Magic game, but that did not happen. As a matter of fact, that was their most comfortable win of of the week. So. This coming week, starting on Wednesday, the Kings have the Lakers in LA. And then they get a nice home back to back on Friday and Saturday. Friday they play the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are they're 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 looking not not too bad. Not gonna lie. They're 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 coming on. And then uh the Philadelphia 76ers pay a visit to the Capitol on Saturday, January twenty-first. So we have the Lakers, the Thunder, and the Sixers.
1: Fish, your predictions for the week. Okay. So, this is a really tough week to predict. Okay? But because I am the ultimate optimist when it comes to the Kings, I'm going to say 3-0. Okay? Okay. And this is my rationale. Okay. One, the Lakers. I think that last Lakers game was definitely an outlier compared to the first two. I think the Kings are going to beat them. I think they're going to beat them handedly. I think they're going to, if they don't blow them out, they'll beat them by like at least 15. Okay. The Thunder. This is where it gets tricky, really tricky. So. I think the Kings are more talented than the Thunder, right? But the Thunder's guards right now are playing out of their minds. Like Josh Giddy is going crazy. And I'm really happy to see him going off because mm-hmm. a lot of people question his jumper. They question his, his able to create his own shot, his driving ability. Like I never understood that to the, I never understood that because how are you going to question a guy who's 20 years old if he can develop that or not, you know? But, He's playing really well. He's a very crafty player. I think that the Kings don't really do well against guys like that. And then obviously Shea is Shea. He's just probably playing like a top ten NBA player this year. He's,
0: yeah, I he he might not. Well, I don't know how the All Star voting has shaken out lately, but he should be an All Star starter.
1: He should. Yeah, he should. He should but he, all- he's probably not going to be. He's so
0: good. He's so good. Like
1: I. Yeah. He's a- he he's, he won't be. He should be. Unfortunately, the Adam Silver's. Uh, a bad person, so he won't let that happen. Um, I think Sabonis is going to be the difference maker in that game. He's a difference maker every game. I don't think, really think they have anyone to check Sabonis, so I think we can win that. Now the Sixers game—if uh, if they don't shoot uh, 18 free throws in the first quarter,
2: <laughs>
1: I think the Kings can can pull that off. Uh, if Sabonis doesn't get into foul trouble the first three and a half minutes of the game which will be tough against Embiid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I honestly, I really wouldn't be surprised if we seen Alex Lennon that game. I I wouldn't be surprised. We we need size. Um, Keita, God bless his heart, man. He tried. He tried last time. He really did, but we won't see him. I definitely think it's going to be a game where a Tremezi doesn't even see the floor. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to see the Kings probably probably pull out all the stops against the Sixers. I think they can win that game. The Sixers are, are weird. They're another weird team there where you don't know if they're elite and you don't know if they're like just subpar. Um, I think the Kings should win that game. We need a big game from Fox, I guess, the Sixers, if we want to win. But I'm going to go 3 now.
2: Okay. KFR, your thoughts? Same here. Prino. same reasoning for the Laker game and I am with Abe again like I think there's a good chance the Kings end up winning this game pretty easily because the last last game against LA I feel like it's going to stick with the team like that like you said there's not a lot of losses that made you mad that that Laker game made me, made me like pretty frustrated it, mm-hmm. just because and it's not a blowout loss or anything like that but the Kings should have won and how that game ended was uh, very frustrating, to say the least. And uh, Fox has always been like a bright lights kind of player. And we said this like uh, as our reasoning to beat the Knicks. Fox didn't play in that uh, Madison Square Garden game. Fox, last time we played the Lakers in L.A., he had he absolutely took over that game, especially yep. in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And that was when they had uh, AD. I don't think LeBron played, but... Right, yeah, LeBron was out. You know, maybe they're better with AD. Maybe they're better with LeBron. Regardless... I think the Kings come out like that game, especially with the offenses playing, they're going to come out like super engaged. And then the OKC game, oddly enough, is sort of the, the one that worries me the most because this is a, like the game that you don't the least likely to have a team get up for. And with how the good the Thunder are playing right now, I was watching that game before the Kings game against the Nets mm-hmm. that they just uh, won in Brooklyn. Right. That That team just, the, like Abe said, the guard play, and they just got dogs in that team like crazy. That team competes like no other. That's one of the top defensive teams in the league, and mm-hmm. the personnel on that team does not uh, signal an elite defensive team, but they're playing their heart out. And for a team like that, if the Kings have that like on and off waiver where the energy goes, they won't win because they, they got to stay locked in against the Thunder. And if they are locked in from the tip, it should be a blowout, but I don't expect that to happen. I think Thunder will probably take it down to the wire. And that Sixer game, I just think the energy on a Saturday night in Golden 1 against a really good team is going to be off the charts. And, you know, after what happened in that free throw shooting first quarter against the Sixers, it really can't go worse. Yeah. As long as the Kings like are keeping that a game and it's close in the fourth, I feel like the Kings will win because, you know, Fox in the fourth just feels – Basically impossible to miss at this point, point. and as as long as the Kings are in a close game in the fourth, I always feel like they're going to win, just because they have number five.
0: Yeah, they've got they've got a closer. I mean, that's something that the team's been missing for a long, long time, and and you know this has been a coming out party of sorts for for Fox, and and you know now he's starting to garner that reputa- uh, reputation as as a guy who can close games, right? All right, I'll be the Debbie Downer again. I'm going I'm going to go 2 and 1. Now. The Lakers game, I agree. I just don't I just don't think that the like the Lakers had the Lakers are one of the worst shooting teams in the league and yet whenever they played the Kings, they come out shooting like they're the 14-15 Warriors. It's unbelievable. Like they had a, like Russ was was shooting the lights out, right? The last time the Kings played the Lakers a couple of weeks ago. So I or last week, sorry. I I just I, I just don't expect that to happen again. And the Kings need to take advantage of a not fully healthy Lakers team. They need to win that season series. That That's that's going to count for a lot down, down down the stretch at the end of the season. The Thunder game, I agree. They're a very well-coached team. Mark Dagnall deserves a ton of credit for what he's doing in Oklahoma City. You know, getting them to play defense, but also just, just tailoring everything to his personnel. I know it's pretty easy to think that that team just gives the ball to Shea and they get out of the way, but... You know, like you said, Abe Giddy's been spectacular. Lou Dort's a freaking bulldog. Um, it, he, you know, shout out to our guy, Math Kitball. Uh, he quoted you to one of your tweets, uh, KFR, because you were asking about whether or not Davion's one of the best players in the league at drawing offensive fouls. That's actually Lou Dort by a wide margin. That guy is a moving screen magnet. That guy gets in the way of every single screen. He will not let a guy establish position, and he'll just try to fight over it and get an offensive foul call. He he's been unbelievable this season uh, defensively, especially, and and they have. And this is kind of personal for me, and and this is you know this is why I kind of root for that team. They have Jalen Williams, J A Y L I N Williams, who's half Vietnamese. So I got I kind of got to root for the guy, and he's been getting minutes lately, and he's been playing well. And then they have the other Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, who's been really really good this year. Like he's he's been exceptional. They're young though. And so, if it is a close game, which I imagine that it will be, uh, I'm, you know, kind of the same deal. You know, the Kings have Deer and Fox. The Thunder do not. So, that will probably be the difference. The Sixers? Here's the thing with the Sixers. I'm going to be at that game. Uh, I really hope that I'm going to get out of the arena by, like, 11 p.m. Because we already know it's going to be a free throw shooting contest at some point during that game. But... The Kings, we have seen them get a little flustered here and there and get frustrated a few times this season against certain teams. And the Sixers in Philadelphia, that game, that was one of them. I mean, they just they did not deal well with the adversity in that game. And they kind of let it get to them. That game was just, I mean, it was was over before it even started practically. So I I think it will kind of be more of the same. And even though it's a home game for the Kings, and like you said, KFR, the energy should be pretty crazy in Golden One Center against a a, a pretty good team. I just, I don't know. I, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to imagine the Kings not getting frustrated with that again. And it'll be, it'll be a lesson. It'll be a teaching moment for the for the team and for the coaching staff. But I think the Sixers will win in a close one there. So I'll go two and one. I'm sorry for being a downer, but. I mean, it, it worked out pretty well the last time it happened. So maybe it's like a superstitious thing too. I don't know. But I, I just, I, I find it hard to believe that uh, the Kings can just deal with Embiid in the post without seeing Sabonis go down with some foul trouble. And obviously they, they're, yeah, they're pretty good. They got other guys on that team, you know, a guy by the name of James Harden and a whole bunch of other pieces that can really do damage. So I'm going to go with a two in one week and uh, we'll see how it all plays out. But I would take a two in one week. Don't get me wrong. That would be, I would be totally okay with that. Heading into uh, some some pretty tough games coming up, honestly. You know, because you know, looking ahead, they have te- games against some pretty tough teams. So um, two in one week, considering uh, the week that they've just come off of and then the week that they're going to be heading into after that, it wouldn't be the worst in the world. So two and one for me. All right, guys. It's time for some shout outs. Let's close this thing out. KFR,
2: who will you be shouting out this week? Well, since I know Abe is going to be shouting out his quarterback, I'm going to be shouting out my quarterback, but not the one you're thinking of. Shout out to Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) Just came back from 27-0. You know, huge playoff win, but that's not the reason he gets my shout out. There was a tweet that went a little bit viral last night Mm -hmm. of Trevor Lawrence when he was a freshman at college. Prior to his first class was watching Jason Williams highlights. (laughs) And anybody that's a Jason Williams fan, I'm a fan of. So shout out to Trevor Lawrence has a good taste.
0: Always knew I liked that guy for some reason. Turns out he knows ball. Fish, your shout out.
1: Shout out to Brock Purdy. <laughs> this guy is incredible. This guy's the best quarterback of all time. I've never seen a guy like him before. This guy's never gonna lose a game again. God willing, he wins this. If he wins this Super Bowl. I you need to put me on a watch list. Cause I'm going to be <laughs> on straight trash. I have receipts brothers of all these people talking smack about Brock Purdy, but also shout out to my guy at pocket janitor, Chris. We're always looking forward to the, <laughs> to the Brock Purdy shout outs.
0: Yeah. Chris is on it, man. Chris is at this point. He, he's, I think he just knows exactly how every, I mean, we, we we have a format here, but he he probably he probably predicts everything that's going to happen on this podcast even before it actually happens. So shout out to Chris. Yeah, my shout out is going to be I've shouted him out before, but I got to shout him out again. Right. Mark Jones. Mark Jones is a national. He's a goddamn national treasure. Uh, he dropped another classic one liner during the broadcast of the Kings Spurs game. Kevin Herter took the ball into the lane, pump fake two guys out of their shoes, and Mark Jones said. Herter, oh boy, he put them on a flight like an IG model. <laughs> and Katie, Katie Christensen lost it on the broadcast. People have been tweeting out that clip like crazy ever since. Um, that guy, that guy's just on top of the fact that he's got these one-liners and he's just very, very good at what he does. KFR, I know you and I appreciate him a ton as, as guys who just watch what happens out there, X's and O's wise, like, Mark knows ball, man. Mark's out. Mark's during broadcasts. He will be calling out all the actions and stuff. Dude is a true student of the game. We are incredibly lucky to have him as our play-by-play guy here in Sacramento. Even if it's on, you know, like a part-time basis or half the time, because obviously he's got national duties. But that that guy, whenever he calls a game, I mean, it's it's, it's must-watch TV. And with how the, how well the team's playing, I know people have been really, really appreciating it this season. So um, big shout-out to him. And I think that will conclude the podcast for this week, people. We will be back next week. And let's hope it's another great week of Kings basketball. Light the beam and all that good stuff. I think the rain's going to finally go away, everybody. So, you know, enjoy some sun. And while the rain is still here, please drive safe, be safe and all that stuff. Um, you know, stay healthy and what have you. And we will hopefully experience a lot more. Fun king's basketball to come this week.
1: see made a living off my people dying for but i put that on my mama dying broke fast slow my eyes is low i don't my soul now i can't hide the glow all that sneak this is what you hatted for i got a problem